Hi everyone, I'm Paul Tucker. I'm the Head of Growth and New Markets for Orange in Australasia and welcome back to another episode of the Beyond Mindset podcast. Uh, as with every episode, I'm joined by my colleague and co-host, Head of Digital Data and Co-Innovation for Orange, Simon Bryant. I think I got it right today, Simon. You did, Paul. <laughs> well done. Yeah. Thanks for that intro, uh, Paul, and we're um, delighted uh, to have with us as guest today, uh, Heinrich Kukuk, the CIO of McConnell Dow. Looking forward to um, chatting with you, Heinrich. Thanks for being with us. Yeah, thanks, Simon and Paul. Uh, great to be here. Really excited to have a chat. Thank you. So before we uh, jump in, uh, just to give either new listeners or, or listeners that have come back a, a bit more of an insight, um, the Beyond Mindset is around... Simon and I are having a discussion with industry leaders uh, around IT, but, but more importantly, understanding their journey, their experience, and really want to understand uh, what they see as the future and, what, and what's coming. And, and today's uh, going to be a fascinating one, um, more so because I'm outnumbered by the two South Africans on the call, um, but, but also because of... Uh, some of the discussions we've had over the journey with, with yourself, Heinrich. So really looking forward to, to today and thank you for making the time available. Yeah, you're welcome. So Heinrich, um, let's start off with just understanding a little bit more about um, who you are, what you do and, and the company uh, that you work for. So if you could uh, just kind of give us a sense of what McConnell Dow does uh, and your role as CIO. Yeah, sure, Simon. Um, yeah, interesting one, really. So McConnell Dahl is, is perhaps not your traditional infrastructure company. Um, we, we pretty much only get involved if there's a really complex project. And so we get called in when, when stuff gets serious. So whether or not that is, uh, you know, within the tunneling um, sector or in pipelines, um, we, uh, we undertake a lot of uh, large marine works and, and we're, that's something that we specialize in as well. Um, and then we do obviously get involved in, in traditional infrastructure type work. So we're involved in a lot of the level crossing removals that are currently underway in Victoria um, and similar work in, in the rest of Australia. Um, we operate in, in Australia as well as throughout Southeast Asia and New Zealand and the Pacific Islands. And um, those specializations are, are typically um, uh, true to the nature of work that we would do across all of those regions. And so, you know, some of the examples, as I've mentioned, you know, level crossing removals, but then all the way to perhaps one of my more, more favorite projects, um, but probably not, you know, um, aligned to what, what is typically something that we do. And that is, we've just recently completed the, um, the build of the new Apple store in the Marina Bay Sands complex. So if you ever, when, when we're able to once again, travel abroad, um, it would be good for you to have a look at that. It's a, it's a, it's a sphere that's that's sort of hovering and um, just coming out of the water wow. in front of the Marina Bay Sands Hotel. And so, and so on that in that example, we weren't engaged because we can build an Apple Store. Um, we were engaged because the Apple Store was in the water and the and the marine work that was necessary to be able to support that is where we got involved. Um, I suppose you know the question around who am I? So, Paul, as you mentioned, I'm I'm a South African, um, having recently come to Australia, that doesn't sound too recent now, it's, it's four years ago. Um, I'm, I'm told I've lost most of my South African accent, um, but a lot of others would disagree. So um, yeah, father of two, two amazing children, Olivia and Ellen, um, six and four years old and, and uh, got a fantastic and beautiful wife, um, Celeste. 
It's, it's busy times in your house uh, at the moment then with uh, with COVID as well, trying to keep them homeschooled. And, and uh, yeah. I've seen some of the pictures of, of that uh, facility in Marina Bay Sands. It looks phenomenal. I didn't realise you guys had done it. That's, uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, a cool. really, it's a really impressive build there. Yeah, very. I hope you find uh, the excuse when you can to kind of do site visits to make sure that the technology is uh, is fit for purpose in <laughs> South Pacific Islands, for example. <laughs> oh yeah, no, we, we've got we've got some some work in some not so great places, but uh, we do also have some work in some of the the, the nicer places like Fiji. Awesome. Um, I'm sure we'll be doing a couple of site visits out there at some stage. <laughs> this. Um, you know, talking about and thinking about digital transformation that may or may not apply in the context of the specialized um, focus that McConnell Dow has. But if you think about, um, I suppose a lot of the management consultants um, would uh, suggest that uh, the construction and engineering uh, industry domain um, have a tremendous opportunity um, to leverage um, value and benefit um, from digital transformation, given that it hasn't yet been uh, broadly adopted uh, in the industry. What, what's your kind of reflection on that as a general statement and where you see McConnell Dowell in terms of digital transformation journey? Yeah, sure. So um, so you're right. I think that, I mean, last I checked, I think that construction and infrastructure was second last on the, on the, on the charts of digital transformation. I think we were only, we were, we, uh, we were only um, one ahead of agriculture, if I remember correctly. So, um, so we certainly do have a long way to go as an industry. But what I can say that is um, that typically within the infrastructure space, which has got a lot of involvement from engineers and, and like-minded people, once a technology has been proven, um, we're all in. And so what I have seen is that our adoption has absolutely done a bit of a, um, a hockey stick in, in terms of overall digitization. And I think that's that's for a couple of reasons. I think that the, the industry itself is, has transformed through both public and, and private partnerships. Um, and so, you know, a, a lot of our clients are, are expecting a certain level of digitization. Um, and also the vendors are coming to the, to the party like yourselves in terms of some of the work that we've done with you. You know, putting in commercial models that make sense within a highly contract-oriented uh, uh, environment, right? So one of the challenges in infrastructure and construction has been that how do you pay for digitization or investments in digitization uh, as a, at a company level if, the, if, the, if the, the money is made at a project level and you are bidding on that project and your margins are typically very small in the construction industry. So um, anything extra is seen as optional. And so that mindset has in itself changed. So we've had to do, you know, do a couple of things um, within our business to make sure that we, we stay on top of that and we don't become complacent and, and sort of accept the, the, the status quo. Um, so in, in terms of digitization, I'd, I'd like to think that as an organization over the past couple of years, we've, um, we've at least, if not met or, or gone beyond what some of our competitors are doing in, in that space. And I think it's also because we, we took that upon ourselves at just the right time. So what I mean by that is the adoption of certain technologies are a lot easier now you know, if, if you think back to, you know, the adoption of, for example, virtual reality 10 years ago, you know, you had to have a significant investment in, in, a, in a VR equipment, for example. These days, you can go down to your local computer equipment reseller and, and you can get one off the shelf, more, uh, more or less. Um, the availability of the, 
of the tool sets are a lot more really available as well. So, so look, I, I, look, we we as as McConnell Dow undertook some some significant transformation initiatives. We we sort of decided to you know reboot or, or refresh our technology core um, three or four years ago now, um, and we've just really been building on that since then. So, you know, the the the, um, the normal normal C's like cloud and collaboration and communication, those for us now are the norm. And we're really sort of pushing the limits in some of the other areas. It's a fascinating convergence, I think, um, Heinrich, and you're absolutely right. And I kind of, it's just in what you're saying, there's a convergence of three things. And I'd add a fourth thing that I'd like to kind of just drill down on a little bit with you, but it's the, you know, the convergence of the emerging technologies and, and the time, you know, at which we find ourselves in that emerging technology maturity, I think is, is as you, as you've said, it's the right time. The opportunity that you have in, in construction and infrastructure, um, you bring those two together, that's just a really exciting convergence. Uh, an opportunity, and then I guess the other element of convergence is about who you are um, and 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 what you bring in terms of your own um, experience um, uh, as and how that applies and shapes and informs the role that you're playing in all of that. Um, yeah. Tell us a little bit about um, experiences that that might have shaped you in terms of who you are today and what you do today. Yeah, sure. So. Um... Yeah, look, I've been very fortunate. I've worked with some some really great people throughout my career. Um, I've also, um, you know, going back to some previous roles, I've been exposed to various different industries, all the way from mining and manufacture um, to to steel processing and and, um, and and those peripheral industries. And so, in each of those industries, there's different characters and cultures that you that you'd engage with along the way. And so, I think that my engagement has been very diverse and also working across different regions and once again different cultures that that brings about its own level of of um of i suppose complexity to to anyone who would who would work in those environments um so i've been really fortunate working with some fantastic people as well both currently and in the past um but i'd probably say that some of the things and, and or i suppose the one thing that really comes to mind um that has shaped who i am and how i approach my my career and, and and what it means to me and 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 how to how I suppose I want to use technology going forward, um, you know, is something that happened to me when I you know very early on in my career when I remember us deploying a um, an OCR solution where you would uh, where you would scan material certificates. Um, we used to supply steel to a lot of the automotive manufacturers, and um, material certificates were pretty important from a quality perspective. And when we were implementing this solution, I recall meeting up with a lady, I think her name was, I think her name was Miriam or, or Mary or something like that. And, and I recall um, this lady who had been filing these certificates for probably 15, 20 years. Um, and not because she really understood what was on it, but more so just because she was told how numbers worked and she would have to file it in certain files. And, and what we did is, you know, her job may very well have been up on, been on, on the line if, if we weren't able to get her to use the new system. And so, so very long in my career, I remember spending some time with this, with this lady, fantastic lady, and um, getting her to a stage where she was actually, um, uh, she was actually performing the validation of this OCR solution. Mm -hmm. And, you know, not only was she you know, not only does she recognize numbers, but she knew how to count. And then she, you know, her, her language developed even further, you know, 
I remember her trying to teach her how to use a mouse, which is really interesting when you're trying to click it in the air. That that didn't work so well. Um, but she, you know, we, we we started off like that. And over the course of a couple of months, she became really proficient in this. And um, I recall, you know, a couple of years going back to that same facility, and and there she was, and she had a team of people who were working with her, and wow. you know, she was really excited to see me, and um, and you know, it, it changed her life in so many ways. So, so that's when I decided that's why I'm in this gig. You know, not because of most other things, right? It's, it's really about, you know, being able to to take technology and, and really apply that to the human-centric approach. And, and that's what sort of keeps me coming back for more. That's a beautiful story. story. Yeah, yeah, great story. And, and the fact that you could go back and see the impact, um, so rewarding, really. Yeah, rewarding. yeah, it was, it was great. It was great. Yeah, there were a few things. Goose flesh story. <laughs> and I mean, we often hear the term, uh, you know, kind of human centered used and bandied around. Um, there's kind of real um, application of it. That's great to hear. Yeah, that's good. We've, we've talked about um, emerging and maturing technologies a bit uh, so far in the conversation, Heinrich. Um, could you kind of make that more real for us in terms of how that gets applied to to what you do for McConnell Down in, in your leadership role? How do you how do you apply that and what business value is that adding? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, I, I suppose most like, uh, much like most infrastructure companies, you know, the IT team is, is typically quite lean. Um, we're a relatively small team. Um, and so when it comes to my room, it's, it's pretty much everything that has an electron traveling through it. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's everything from traditional IT so in engines of computing and mobile phones and video conferencing um, to core network and infrastructure, storage, compute, backup, disaster recovery, and all the rest that you're familiar with. But then more recently, you know, we've been, um, uh, we've been adopting a lot of the communication and collaboration techniques and tools. So Microsoft Teams was in our business long before COVID happened. And so when COVID did happen, it was really just another day at the office for us. Just the office had, you know, not free coffee and and uh, was was downstairs rather than you know a long commute away. So so we really adopted a lot of those things early on. But I think it's it's moved further now. And so part of what we're doing at the moment is really modernising a lot of our our business systems within McConnell Dell. And so we've got some some uh, applications um, that are integrated with each other. And so they, there's probably some room for improvements in terms of the way that they work and operate. So our, our drive right now is to modernize those underlying systems. But I suppose one of the key things, and, and I mean, the, the benefits of the other things that I've discussed are pretty obvious and they're the same for any organization. But the digitization of the business processes that we're currently undertaking, where, um, where anytime somebody needs to leave where they've performed an activity to go somewhere else to record that they have performed that activity for me is a waste of time yeah and so any opportunity where we can perform the activity whatever that might be it might be a you know an inspection on site or, or recording of a safety incident whatever it might be to do that on a mobile device that's step one for me right the future looks like what we're currently engaging with orange on and that is where somebody actually doesn't have to do it at all it is, it is recorded as a result of a sensor sending back information that something has or hasn't been done right. So I don't think that can be applied to everything, but what we're pursuing is opportunities where that is the case. And so we do obviously still have a long way to go, and there's many different um, 
you know, use cases that we that we could use, and we we're trialing that quite well on, on the project that we're working with with Orange on. And I think that um, the fact that we are extending that to other parts of our business in other countries shows that there's real business value there, and and um, it, it really um, inspires us to care on doing what we're doing. And I think competitive advantage as well. I mean, you, you touched on that earlier in terms of the industry and the, the opportunity for the industry to really step change. And for McConnell Dow, if you see that as a, an opportunity for growth, but also to help you win more business more profitably, I mean, why wouldn't you make those investments? So it's, yeah, absolutely. It's a really interesting time for, for your organisation. Yeah, you know, just going back to what I was saying about um, we're entering this at the right time for our organisation. We don't have a lot of digital baggage. So what I mean by that is a lot of companies have invested heavily in certain technology. Mm -hmm. And they actually don't have a choice but to see out their return on investment. We don't have a lot of digital baggage because we didn't have a lot of digital. <laughs> and so what we're doing now is we're going, well, that's great. Thank you very much. I'll take five of those off the shelf. Whereas, and we've had a lot, we've, we've, we've allowed a lot of other industries to trial some of those things. The people that are up further up on that, on that chart that are spending a fortune, we're not taking advantage of their investments in those areas. And, and we're also pursuing perhaps different um, different sort of avenues in terms of how this technology is adopted, which are then which then have the potential to then once again influence those other industries. So I think that we're we're reaching a point now where the industry that you're in actually doesn't really matter quite as much as it used to, and so the technologies are often transferable across um, industries. Is what we're seeing. We're using technologies, for example, for rapid site mobilization. Um, that was used for um, for food trucks. Mm. You know, food truck out in the middle of nowhere, you need to pay. And so there's there's devices that can connect to mobile networks and otherwise. And um, somebody had to think of that, right? And it was potentially for food trucks and, and other things. But we said, right, thank you very much. We'll have one of those because that works really well where in, when you're in the middle of whoop whoop trying to build a bridge or whatever it might be. So so there's definitely um, transferability across industries there as well. You're definitely becoming more Australian if you're using terms like whoop whoop. So that's uh, that's, that's evidence for me. <laughs> yeah, there's a couple of other versions that myself and someone might after this. <laughs> you uh, talked a little bit about um, working in and uh, applying technologies in in remote uh, locations. Is there any other kind of technology in your your kind of radar or landscape? Um, that, that you see might make a difference in, in kind of remote contexts? Oh, look, um, you know, I suppose one of the things that we've done is we've, we've always avoided, we've always avoid, avoided not putting servers on us, on our remote sites by the fact that connectivity is a real challenge. And so the connectivity um, challenges have mostly gone away, which has resulted in us not having to do things like put equipment on a site. So, so most of our, all of our solutions are in fact cloud enabled in some way or another, whether it's hybrid, private, SaaS, whatever it is, right? And so what that's allowed us to do is very rapidly mobilize a site. So I'd probably say that the advent of 5G is significant for us, but only if that 5G is available where we're trying to build something, which is highly unlikely. We're often building, we're often, often building something that might eventually power a 5G tower, right? So. We're there typically before <laughs> but we have used a lot of um, um, VSAT solutions, so satellite connections. We did a job um, that was uh, between Tenant Creek and Mount Aza, and there was a very large um, gas pipeline. And um, we applied satellite connectivity that made 
that made it possible for that Sykes team to work as if they were back at one of the one of the main towns. And so that meant a lot for us from a from a from a, um, a business productivity perspective, but also from a uh, meant a lot to those people from a mental health and well-being perspective. Because all of a sudden, you're actually able to communicate with your loved ones back home because of the way that we actually implemented this technology. And also, they don't feel like they're so out of touch, right? These people are on, on pretty um, um, pretty tough rosters, you know, sometimes 23, 24 days on and a couple of days off. Um, and so during that time, you're not seeing anyone. And if there's no connectivity or, or communication, that, make, that makes life pretty tough. Yeah, it's, uh, we, we've had some other experiences with some, some other clients, similar stories, but you really don't appreciate how remote when you can't connect with your loved ones or even download a movie to, to spend a couple of hours just zoning out after a long That's shift. Right. It's a, it's a real problem. Um, and when you consider the volume of workforce Australia has in these remote areas, yeah. it's something we need to find a solution for. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And and I think um, I think it's improving all the time. Mm. Uh, you know, we don't have that same kind of challenge in New Zealand, for example, because obviously the land mass is a lot smaller. It's a lot easier to cover that. Mm. Um, Singapore, I don't think you can be anywhere without being connected, but then, you know, go to the Philippines and Indonesia and it's quite different. So the challenges are quite, quite different in the different countries we operate in. Mm. Talk to a bit about the digital, I guess, trajectory that you're on as an organization earlier on, Heinrich, um, and, and the context of the organization and, and where you're going uh, and how fast you're going there is certainly kind of the impression that I got is that it's, it's a, a fairly steep, uh, trajectory in the positive sense of the word. Um, there's obviously innovation, um, innovation thinking behind that. Uh, what is it that you do uh, to inspire innovation uh, in, in your team? Yeah, look, I, th I think that, um, I suppose one of the things that I do is, is I'm, I'm a pretty curious geek at the best of times. And so I'm always looking at what's new and, and um, what's new that's come out either commercially or otherwise. Um, and, and I'm always playing with new software and, and, um, and that kind of thing. And so I think that that curious culture is, is absolutely my team because I've, I've got a couple of people who are pretty much the same. You can imagine that that is the case. <laughs> you know? And so there's a lot of curiosity in the team, and I think that um, that is really the culture. You know, nothing, nothing is impossible really is the sort of the motto, right? And if, if it doesn't work yet, we'll figure out a way to work it. I think there's a – we've got a thing called a um, – yeah – uh, yeah, we've definitely got to just do it culture. And, um, and, uh, and that, look, that's one thing that that is that is a sort of, uh, um, that's just something that, you know, the way that I'm, I'm built, uh, and that where a lot of my team members are built. But something that we're doing more formally within the business is that, um, you know, we formed a in innovation work group or steering committee or forum, whatever you want to call it. And, and our objective isn't to come up with innovative ideas, although there are a lot of innovative people in that group and it's representative of our different regions and, and disciplines, et cetera. But it's really just to foster an innovation of culture. And we really do have that culture, but it's the ability to share those innovations across our business. That's something that we're, we're focusing on quite heavily. And, and yes, there is a tool that assists with that. And that's one of the things that we're doing, but it's more about having the right conversations and, and being as transparent as possible. Um, we've got a, we've got some really really innovative people in our business, and I'm not talking necessarily from a digital perspective. I'm talking about from an engineering perspective and otherwise. And so, just simply 
um, allowing those people to have a platform to share their innovations is really powerful because yeah. often the same people who come up with innovative ideas are the introverts. Mm -hmm. And so giving them a platform that is easy to engage with is, is definitely goes a long way to share those innovations across the business. That's very insightful in terms of the layers uh, that you bring to, to the in, in innovation culture. I've got to ask you the question, Heine, what's the, the latest thing that you've geeked out on? <laughs> oh, look, I'm a real sci-fi fan. So, um, so I, bought, I bought that over the weekend, which is a, a Lego <laughs> Stormtrooper storm helmet. So that was, that was pretty cool. <laughs> That's a good little COVID project. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'd say I bought it for my kids, but it was really <laughs> Uh, We've all got those guilty uh, things that we use the kids as excuses. <laughs> yeah, that's right. My six-year-old definitely needs an Xbox One X, right? <laughs> no question. Yeah, we both support that. <laughs> we laugh about it, though. I think it's it's that kind of thing that's it's that sort of you know left of field stuff um, that that um, generates I don't know curiosity, interest. Um, it's fun, right? You know, you put that on the table at work and people like it's just totally awesome love it thank you for sharing that <laughs> you're welcome yeah i um i know that you know from from kind of other conversations that you've had this there's, there's uh, an insight that i kind of feel that you bring kind of sort of wrapping coming around full circle in terms of the human element um and human centeredness as far as technology is concerned and it's almost an equation um that i think is a unique insight around um how technology consumes more um, from us as, as, as humans at the moment, then, then it provides value. Um, and, and in that construct, how do we um, a, um, set boundaries, appropriate boundaries in place to manage that consumption of us, so to speak. Uh, but then also, how do, we, how do we flip that? And how do we turn that? And how do we move that so that it, it, it reverses? What are your, what's your perspectives there? Yeah, look, I mean, it's, it's, it's bit of a controversial one I think um, in that you know I'm head of RT and, I'm, and here I am saying that you know technology is only now starting to give back more than what we put into it right so so what I mean by that is you know if you think back in the days when the old behemoth ERPs it took millions of dollars and thousands of developers and a lot of effort to put it in right so how much more effort did we get out of that than what we put in that's changed I think that it's obvious that the new modern applications have come a long way. So there's, that's probably at an equilibrium, I think. <laughs> um, there's other technologies that that follow the same the same path, right? If you if you think back to electricity, it was really hackers who, in their basements, were generating electricity, and it was only in wealthy suburbs. <laughs> and these days, you flick a switch and you don't give it another thought, right? <laughs> and so electricity has become ubiquitous. And I think that that um, technology and, and digitization is only now starting to become more ubiquitous. Um, and, uh, you know, there's, there's still definitely a lot of room for improvement, right? You know, you still have to remember 40 passwords or keep a password manager, definitely keep a password manager. You know, so every time you want to log into your new smart TV to watch Netflix, oh, I've got to remember the password. Now I can't, can't type on the keyboard, so now you're navigating with this thing, right? So I think when we reach a stage where all of the all of the um, effort that goes into setting up, configuring, maintaining, and 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 um, and um, disposing of technology, when that becomes um, more sustainable and and I suppose easier and more convenient, I think then 
we'll be in a position to say that technology is truly um, aiding us uh, unencumbered and is ubiquitous. Um, I think we're very close. I think we've come much closer uh, in the last um, decade or so than ever. Um, but I think that the COVID uh, pandemic has also served as a catalyst for that even further. The mere fact that we're doing this as we are now with video conferencing and it's second nature, right? Mm -hmm. the, the, the transformation that that has allowed in all of our businesses across industries is, is phenomenal. And so people are a lot more accepting of, of technology in general these days and going forward than they probably ever would have. You know, that'll also bring some balance to, to work-life balance. So, the, you know, the fact that it's probably taken work from home policies forward by 10 years, mm. you know, because yeah. people now can see, well, actually I can trust my staff. They're going to, they're going to continue to work, to work at home. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so, so imagine a world where it, it truly doesn't, you don't need to be working for Google or Apple to have that kind of experience when you go to work. Yeah. And so that's definitely taken things forward. No, I think you're right. We're seeing yeah. that as well. I think the other interesting component of that is the trust component. So mm -hmm. technology has enabled us to trust our teams more and trust the, the broader employee base more. But yeah. it's also opened up some really fascinating conversations. I mean, certainly um, the whole mental health discussion has been been growing and growing and growing. And and speaking to my team and other you know friends around the industry not having the commute has allowed people to do things in the mornings that they would never have done because they've got the commute. And those things are typically not about doing more hours of work, but they're doing things that are more important to them and their families. And I think that's one example of, you know, your point that technology is giving more now in, in that instance than, than potentially it has in the yeah, past. That's, that's a really good point. That's a really good point. You know, if we, if we had this pandemic 20 years ago, yeah. What would it look like, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, things would have been pretty much put on hold. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So it happened that, you know, unfortunately, it's, it's unfortunate that it has happened, but it happened at pretty much the, the exact right time. Certainly. I think from that perspective, certainly. So um, thank you, Heinrich. I think um, we, we love uh, closing out our, uh, our podcast uh, interviews with what we call the famous three questions. Uh, we typically ask the same questions of all of our guests. So, tax over to you. Famous is probably talking them up a bit, mate, but <laughs> that's what we call them. <laughs> um, so, I'm interested in the business outcomes that you see your role needs to influence over the, the next six to 18 months. Um, we've talked a lot about using digital, but what are the, what are the areas and the, the outcomes that you hope to see uh, achieved in that period? Look, I think that um, I suppose a, a top priority for me is is maintaining the momentum that COVID has generated for our business. And so that means that using that opportunity to have the conversations with stakeholders um, that, that probably would have uh, um, resulted in a different outcome a year ago. Mm -hmm. So, so um, you know, talking to the business about different ways of working, using this opportunity for construction and infrastructure to move up that chart and become, you know, uh, in, and embrace digital, digital efforts. So, so overall engagement for me is key with our business and showing them what is possible. I think that um, an objective for me is always keeping our people safe. So what does that mean for, for us? Obviously that means, you know, being able to 
monitor when and safety incident happens on a site, analyze and track that and, and, and proactively engage with the business. So we're engaging a lot of um, business intelligence efforts and practices and, and tools and, and all that kind of thing. So, so BI is absolutely an example of where we're doing that within the safety space, but also in others. We, we're applying a lot of BI solutions to all of our functions. Um, and I suppose, you know, going on with the work that we're doing with Orange, I think that's definitely a big opportunity for us. You know, using IoT on our project sites is really important to us. It just makes sense in so many ways. The, the challenge, though, is, is only doing something if the output is at least as beneficial as the input and probably with a multiplier there. Because to say you're going to implement a whole bunch of sensors on a site and it'll give you an outcome, but if that effort is pretty much the same or more than a person just doing it, um, if it isn't uh, scalable, then, then why do it? And so you have to always test it. Yeah. Um, just touching as well on, what, on, on COVID and where we are, a really important objective for us is making our, our offices and our work sites COVID safe going forward. I think COVID is going to be around for some time, right? Beyond us actually getting a vaccine because some people don't want to be vaccinated. So what does that mean in terms of being able to track that? And so, um, so an objective that we've got is to, to do exactly that contact tracing, um, you know, thermal imaging, um, you know, access control, all that kind of thing is, is something we're working on in the next, the next couple of months. Fantastic. And, and I guess going beyond the beyond so 18 months time what are the technologies for your industry that really excite you i mean you touched on your geeking out ability before so i'm sure there's 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 some things here that you go this is actually really going to shape our industry uh, if we get it right yeah look i mean something that i haven't even haven't even touched on is is the whole digital engineering space of our business right so for us digital engineering means for example taking models, whether they're in 2D, 3D, 4D, adding on time, that kind of thing, and using them to do optioneering in, in our business, um, taking that beyond optioneering and understanding what that impact might have on, on for example, costs, um, you know, engaging with safety stakeholders about, you know, safe work practices on a site using models, but then also ultimately getting a consolidated model or rather a model that is consolidated with all of the other additional information about that construction activity all the way through to um, operate and maintain. That's that's one area of our business and, that, and that's an area that I, of, of the business that I support, mm -hmm. not that I'm necessarily responsible for. So, so myself and that team work quite closely together and we'll continue to do that. So that's an, that's an area that we, we're focusing on. Um, look, and then there's, there's all the other things and I, and I always try not to bring up all those all those terms because it's it's a bit um, it's a bit cheesy these days, right? But but absolutely, we're using drones. We're using drones quite extensively on our work sites, um, not necessarily in the way that you might imagine. Um, virtual reality for us is something that is interesting, um, but it's probably not yet caught to some of the the use cases that we've got. So we're using it for stakeholder engagement, much like most other industries. Um, I think. If you extend the, the the comment that you made around 18 months, if you extend that to perhaps two or three years, I think some of the things that I'm looking forward to are future iterations of augmented reality. So the devices that are currently available just aren't at the level that you could practically use them on a site. And so when they get to a stage 
where that is the case, where there are, a, a, you know, wearable um, augmented reality. Um, that's a really exciting space because then, you know, you bring together the information about the model and, and um, in environmental conditions, et cetera, into one place. While they're able to hold that iPad in front of you, um, that's pretty powerful. And once again, you know, just using all the other things that I've mentioned, analytics, absolutely something we're going to be focusing on for the long, for the long term. Yeah. And final question for you is, um, who do you see as, a, and this is, can be a tough one to answer to limit it to one, but who's a leading light in your domain um, that inspires you? Uh, so whether it's a, an executive or, or somebody driving change in the industry, is there, is there a set of people or an individual that, that really inspires you? Yeah, look, I think, um, and it's not just because he's South African. Um, I reckon, I reckon um, the, the work that Elon Musk is doing um, is, is quite inspirational and it does sound a bit cheesy, but it is really inspirational. I'm not talking about Tesla's you know, cars or even batteries. I'm talking more about the work that um, SpaceX are doing around Starlink. Yep. And so the ability to get internet to everywhere. So democratizing internet really. And, and making that available to everyone, including somebody out in the middle of nowhere. Um, that is really powerful. If you, if you look at the developed nations and the quality of life as a result of things like clean water, electricity, medical care, and access to the internet, those are some of the fundamentals that, are, that need to be in place to have children that are being educated like they should be and, 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 and you know, adding value to their communities. So the ability for, for somebody to put these satellites up in the air and, and hopefully it will result in cheap internet for everyone, fantastic. That for me is quite inspirational. And then also on a, on a bit of a tangent, I suppose, you know, the, the mere fact that somebody like him wants to say, yeah, I'm going to go and start, you know, boring tunnels underneath um, the city. We, we do a lot of tunnel boring and it's a tough job, you know, and it's not what you see in the movies. Yeah. It's a really, really tough job. But you just know that if somebody who's approaching it the way that they have approached many other things is doing that, I think that's going to potentially revolutionize the way that we do things going forward. And I know it's not something that he's doing, that he's sort of focusing on as much right now, but I think the mere fact that there's some effort going there is, is really um, is really good. I mean, I mean, finally, the other thing that he's doing, you know, with around, um, I think it's called Neuralink, you know, being able to augment or, or rather, you know, address brain and physical conditions by using those those probes and that kind of thing. There are a lot of applications in the infrastructure space and construction. Um, be able to use, you know, mechanized external armor sort of thing to be able to protect people when they're working on these sites. Yeah. Um, do not have to worry too much about, you know, lifting, lifting heavy loads and that kind of thing. A lot of injuries are caused on site. Now we're very far away off from that, but the mere fact that somebody's doing that gives mm -hmm. me a sense of peace. Yeah, he's, he's got a couple of little projects going on, doesn't he? But they're all, uh, that, that, I mean, he is ch trying to change the world. And I don't think yeah. it's, an, it's, it's not an easy answer to give, um, but certainly there's depth to, to why you gave that answer. And I think, um, I don't think you'd find anybody that hopefully listens to this that would argue. Yeah, I think, I think the key thing with, uh, with people like that is they're disrupting the physical world with physical solutions. Um, a lot of, there's been a lot of disruption in, in other spaces. And I'd argue that it's more difficult to disrupt the physical world with physical solutions than it is to disrupt the digital world hmm. with a better Google or a better 
so operating system or a better you know uh, um, ride sharing platform yeah uh, i think another great yeah. insight um, yeah. Yeah. and this is for me has been a conversation full of of insights very rich conversation i uh, thank you i i just I have too many highlights to name all of them, but the one that I'm going to take away amongst, as I say, kind of a rich bag and a rich hall of insights, thank you, is, is this idea of, of um, uh, inputs to technology and outputs and, and just how there needs to be a scale equation there um, for that to make sense and not only to make sense, but to achieve the, the potential and the value out of it. So thank you for that and many other insights. It's been a great time with you. Oh, you're welcome. Uh, thank, thanks very much for having me. It's been great. And, and absolutely, I echo Simon's comments, Heinrich. Uh, thank you very much. Um, and for those that enjoyed this uh, podcast, uh, Beyond Mindset is available for download uh, in all the places you download your pods. Uh, and we really appreciate your time and uh, hope you enjoyed the experience as much as us. So um, catch up when we can soon. <laughs> Thanks.